Concepts of Public International Law Public international law is the system of law that regulates the interrelationship of sovereign states and duties with regard to one another. Here are some theories advanced as the basis of international law, direct consent, implied consent, mutuality of interest, and necessity. Comitas Gentium, or International Committee, refers to rules of politeness, convenience, and goodwill observed by states in their mutual intercourse without being legally bound by them. Hard law refers to binding international legal norms or those which have coercive character, while soft law refers to norms that are not binding in character but still have legal uh, relevance. Relationship between international and Philippine domestic law In the case of Government of Hong Kong versus uh, Olalia, the constitutional right to bail flows from the presumption of innocence in favor of every accused who should not be subject to a loss of freedom as thereafter he would be entitled to acquittal unless his guilt be proved beyond reasonable doubt. It follows that the constitutional provision on bail will not apply to a case like extradition where the presumption of innocence is not at issue. However, this court cannot ignore the following trends in international law. 1. The growing importance of the individual person in public international law who in the 20th century has gradually attained global recognition. 2. The higher value now being given to human rights in the international sphere. 3. The corresponding duty of countries to observe these universal human rights in fulfilling their treaty obligations and the duty of this court to balance the right of the individual under our fundamental law on one hand and the law on extradition on the other. The modern trend in public international law is the primacy place on the worth of the individual person and the sanctity of human rights. Slowly, the recognition of that individual person may properly be a subject of international law is now taking root. The vulnerable doctrine that the subjects of international law are limited only to states was dramatically eroded towards the second half of the past century. Sources of International Law International Court of Justice Statute Article 38 the court whose function is to decide in accordance with international law such disputes as are submitted to it shall apply. A. International conventions, whether general or particular, establishing rules expressly recognized by the contesting states. B. International custom as evidence of a general practice accepted as law. C. The general principles of law recognized by civilized nations. And D. Subject to the provisions of Article 59, judicial decisions and the teachings of the most highly qualified publicists of the various nations as subsidiary means for the determination of rules of law. These provisions shall not prejudice the power of the court to decide a case ex equo et bono in the parties agreed thereto. Notes 1. There are two instances where equity may be applied. That is, ex equo et bono, there is the requirement of agreement by the parties. This presupposes that parties have agreed to dispense with any applicable international law, but the parties have submitted themselves to the ex equo et bono jurisdiction of the International Court of Justice by permitting the uh, Court of Justice to resolve the case on the basis of equity instead of applicable rules of international law. B. Non-liquid. It is not clear, refers to situation where there is no applicable law and the parties have not agreed to have their case decided as or decided ex equo et bono. Second, equity can perform three functions. Equity in fraligem or to adapt to the facts of individual case. Equity preterligem to fill the gaps in the law and equity contraligem as a reason for refusing to apply unjust laws. Third, how is... A public international law form A. 
through state practice. It may come into existence as a result of practice of states coupled with the belief that it is practice because the norm or conduct is binding upon states. Second elements, objective element which is the general state practice and second subjective element which is opinion juris uh, necessitatis. B. Through agreement by the states. So the first is through state practice and second is through agreement by the states which uh, the international law may be enacted by agreement of a group of states. It may be considered a positive law by the contracting parties through conventions or treaties. Fourth, Lotus Doctrine. A state is barred to do an act only when it is so prohibited under a treaty or customary international law because restrictions of state sovereignty is not presumed. 5. Relevant State Practice Doctrine Practice of those states whose interests are specially affected. In counting state practice, we do not necessarily include all the states. We only count the so-called relevant state practice. 6. What is the Persistent Objective Doctrine? According to International Court of Justice, the important elements to consider in this case are the objection by the state objector or dissenter must have been done before the norm has ripened to customary international law or uh, at the outset. The objection must be consistent and the objection must be categorical, clear, and equivocal dissent must be shown. 7. What is the value of the POD or Persistent Objector Doctrine? Since it is a uh, criminal international uh, uh, law, all states must comply because all states are bound by it. Non-compliance may even mean sanctions to the non-compliant state. However, when the state qualifies as a persistent objector, it may not be compelled to follow the CIL. 8. There is no starry diseases. On International Court of Justice decision, because of Article 59 provides that decision of ICG shall apply only between the parties and only in particular case. So even if two cases have practically the same issues, the ICG is not bound. 9. Obligations erga omnes. Obligations of a state to the international community. Obligations for which all states have a legal interest in the fulfillment by reason of the importance of their subject matter to the international community. It is the duty to refrain from doing irrespective of any treaty because the obligatory duty of compliance is understood or being owed to the international community as a whole to determine if there exists such a duty towards the international community and therefore erga omnes norm is to know whether such duty addresses a just cogens norm in order to protect, promote, and preserve a just cogens norm. 10. Unilateral Declaration of State Doctrine A unilateral declaration binds the state internationally when publicly made and manifesting will be bound made by an authority vested with the power to do so, made orally or in writing, addressed to the international community or to a specific state or entity, stated in clear and specific terms, consistent with a just cogens, will not bind third states who do not accept it, not validly revoke. Customary International Law or CIL Customary international law consists of rules of law derived from the consistent conduct of states acting out of the belief that the law required them to act that way. The elements of customary norms are duration or, uh, or long state practice, consistency of the state practice, or the widespread repetition by states of similar international acts over time, generality of the state practice of that that the acts are taken by a significant number of states and not rejected by a significant number of states, and opinio juris civi necessitatis, 
or the requirement that the acts must occur out of a sense of obligation. General principles of law are those which are recognized by civilized nations to be so fundamental that they are a basic tenet in virtually every major legal system. They are derived from domestic law. In modern international law, they are losing importance primarily due to their incorporation in treaties or are being recognized as part of customary international law. Thus, they finally bans in filling gaps left by treaties and customary international law. In the Corfo Channel case, the ICG held that the obligation of Albania to notify the UK of the existence of many fields in its territory is based on certain general and well-recognized principles of international law. A. Elementary considerations of humanity, even more exacting in peace than in war. B. Principle of freedom of maritime communication. And C. Every state has an obligation not to allow knowingly its territory to be used for acts contrary to the rights of other states. The Aramco arbitration case declared the principle of respect for acquired rights as one of the fundamental principles of both uh, international law and of the municipal law of most civilized states. The principle of Istupel is also considered a general principle of law as applied in the case concerning the Temple of Priya Bihar, where Thailand was precluded by her conduct from asserting that she did not accept the map which showed that the Temple of Priya Bihar was situated in territory under the sovereignty of Cambodia. Our own Supreme Court in Kuruda v. Salanduni has declared that the rules and regulations of all Haki conventions are generally accepted principles of law. Therefore, they form part of our, law, of our laws even if the Philippines was not a signatory to the conventions. Effect of United Nations Declaration Security Council Resolutions Resolution of the UN General Assembly are mere recommendations on questions of matters within the scope of the present UN Charter. As such, they do not necessarily constitute customary norms that are binding on member states. The resolutions, however, may constitute evidence of the existence of international customs. Under Article 25 of the UN Charter, all members agree to accept and carry out the decisions of the Security Council, while other organs of the UN make recommendations to governments. The Council alone has the power to make decisions which member states are obligated under the Charter to carry out. Effect of Actions of Organs of International Organizations Created by Treaty Article 2, Paragraph A of 2011, Draft Articles on the Responsibility of International Organizations. An international organization means an organization established by a treaty or other instrument governed by international law and possessing its own international legal personality. International organizations may include as members in addition to states other than or other entities. Every international wrongful act of an international organization entails the international responsibility of that organization. There is an internationally wrongful act of an international organization when conduct consisting of an action or omission A. is attributable to that organization under the international law and B. constitute a breach of an international obligation of that organization. The conduct of an organ or agent of an international law organized in the performance of functions of that organ or agent shall be considered an act of that organization under international law whatever position the organ or agent holds in respect of the organization. The conduct of an organ of state or an organ or agent of an international organization that is placed at the disposal of another international organization shall be considered under international law an act of the latter organized organization if the organization exercises effective control over the conduct. Subjects of International Law 
A subject of international law is one to whom the rules of international law are immediately addressed. On the other hand, an object is a person or entity for which the subject of international law holds rights and obligations in the international legal order. States Doctrine of state continuity, state continues despite changes of government, people, and territory. Doctrine of state succession, opposite of continuity. When one state succeeds another, there is now a change of sovereignty. There is already a change of legal personality of a state, that is, when a territory is ceded to another state. How the state governs internally may be relevant in recognition of government issues because some states may not recognize governments established by force. Some states may also recognize a government based on its own criteria, two theories of recognition. Declarative and Constitutive Theory and Declarative Theory, Objective Evaluation of Statehood. If the four elements are complete, there exists a state. Recognition is immaterial. This is acknowledged by the Montevideo Convention. In Constitutive Theory, recognition of state is an additional element of statehood, not a well-accepted view. 4. Elements of State Permanent population, defined territory, government, and capacity to enter into relations with other states. 5. To effectively comply with the territory requisites, there must be sufficient consistency in the exercise of sovereignty over the territory and that the authority must be exercised effectively. In the study of statehood and uh, interna international law, independence means not only being free from external pressure but being able to run the government on its own not dependent on the aid of assist or assistance of outside forces six principle of association under the principle of association you have a principal and an associate the associates are former colonies wanting to have independence but cannot yet effectively or competently enter into foreign relations thus they have to enter into an association treaty with other powerful states and the latter will exercise the parent relations with respect to the territory. 7. Protectorates. Those still unable <coughs> to exercise its capacity to enter into relations with other states and so it must rely first on some powerful states used to be the colonizing states to exercise this power for them until the time that protectorate will now be able to govern itself more effectively. 8. Principle of O.T. Posedetis or O.T. Posedetis Duris. A general rule of international law stating that the boundaries of colonial territories ought to become international boundaries when those territories attain independence unless altered by agreement. The boundaries of colonial territories must be respected by the international community. 9. Recognition. A method of accepting retained pactual situations and endowing them with legal significance, act of process of recognizing a status, fact, or condition, and giving it legal effects or consequences. When we talk about recognition, it has to be contextualized, whether we are talking about recognition of states, that is, constitutive uh, versus declaratory, recognition of government, or recognition of belligerency. belligerency. 10. Juries on the legal effects of recognition of state and international law. Recognition of state is suggested to be an additional requisite for statehood along with sufficient degree of civilization. A. Constitutive theory or the recognition is state-creating uh, or B. Declaratory theory. Recognition is state-affirming. 11. Under international law, which theory is well accepted? Article 3 of Montevideo Convention is an affirmation of the international community adherence to the declaratory theory, which says the political existence of the state is independent of recognition by the other states. 
Even before recognition, the state has the right to defend integrity and independence. The Pact of the States signing at the Montevideo Convention affirms their belief in the declaratory theory as the more preferred theory on this matter. 11. Co-optation While recognition of a state is not indispensable to statehood, particularly with respect to Euskudians uh, uh, and Erga Ma Omnes norms, the newly established state can only enjoy such other rights and privileges in the international sphere through co-optation. Effects of Recognition on the Recognizing State Number 13. These effects of recognition are due to the fact that the recognizing state considers the recognized state as having international legal personality, a full diplomatic relations except in the case of de facto recognition be right to sue in courts of recognizing states C. Entitlement to property within recognizing state B. Recognition being retroactive validates past acts of recognized state of government. 14. Recognition of government. Recognition is a political question and largely involves the discretion of the executive. It is not mandatory. It involves the recognition of the government of the state as a government that has effective control over the territory. 15. Estrada Doctrine. If a government was established through political upheaval, a state may not issue a declaration giving recognition to such government, but may merely accept whatever government uh, is in effective control without raising the issue on recognition. Dealing or not dealing with the government is not judgment on the legitimacy of the said government. This is well accepted that this is in accordance with the Act of State Doctrine. If there had been a political upheaval as a way of changing the government, dealing or not dealing with the government is not a judgment on the legitimacy of the government. It is just an admission that the government is in effective control, but it is not saying it is exercising its legitimacy. 16. Recognition of Belligerency the idea of belligerency denotes armed conflict and the so-called belligerents are considered parties to the armed conflict. An armed group may be classified as either a belligerent insurgent or a terrorist group. When we say belligerent, we are referring to any party of an armed conflict. Elements of belligerency for purposes of recognition Occupation of substantial portion of territory, organized civil government supported by a majority of the inhabitants in the territory, conflict between legitimate government and the belligerents is serious and outcome is uncertain. Belligerents are willing and able to observe laws of war and other international obligations. 18. Doctrine of State Continuity The moment a state is established as an international person, the state continues to be the same corporate person whatever changes may take place in its internal organization. This continuity of the legal personality of the state may withstand even the most radical transformations in its constitutions. Thus, temporary absence of governmental control, example civil war, will not change statehood. It is still the same state that continues to exist and, to, and so despite changes in government, treaties shall continue and in fact, a temporary absence of governmental control will not affect the status of the state as such. 19. Effects of State Succession Transfer of allegiance of inhabitants. Political laws are automatically abrogated, nor political laws are deemed continued unless, or non-political laws are deemed continued unless expressly repealed or inconsistent with domestic laws or new sovereign. Public properties are acquired, torts liability are not acquired, the new sovereign has option to assume liability. Treaties of predecessor state are not binding on new sovereign except those dealing with local rights and affecting territory. 20. Clean State Doctrine A newly independent state begins to existence uh, uh, free of the obligations of its uh, predecessor. 21. Government Succession Government succession could take place either through 
revolution or changing the constitution by adopting new system peaceful means uh, in or intra-constitutional. Revolution is non-peaceful means or not in accordance with the constitution or extra-constitutional. 22. Effects of government succession. All rights of predecessor government are inherited by the new government. If change is by peaceful means, new government inherits all obligations. If change is by violent means, new government has the option to reject political and personal obligations but not those arising out of regular administration of government. International Organizations Refer to public intergovernmental organizations, they typically are institutions established by treaty composed of members that are states or international organizations regulated by international law and endowed with a legal personality. Principle of Charter Supremacy In the event of conflict between the obligations of members of the UN under the Charter and their obligations under any other international agreement, their obligations under the Charter shall prevail. As to individuals an act of individual become an act of state if it may be imputed to the state. An act, the performance of which is not prescribed or permitted by the law of the state, cannot be imputed to the state. However, as per international law, such an act may have the same legal effects as an act imputable to the state. If the act is performed by an individual who, as an organ of the state, is competent under the law to represent the state in relation to other states, such as the head of state. Right to Self-Determination a customary international law, use cogens, and an erga omnes obligation. All peoples have the right to self-determinations by virtue of the right be freely determine their political status and freely pursue their economic, social, and cultural development. Rights to self-determination consist of the rights to determine the political status and is applicable to colonial territories and freedom to pursue economic, social, and cultural development. Secession a situation where a particular territory is withdrawn from a mother state, whether or not there is secession, it will be determined by international law. The manner in which a state is established is important in international law. What is the difference between unilateral secession and unilateral declaration of independence? A. Unilateral declaration of independence, declaring the territory as now separate from the mother state and declaring that the territory itself has established a new state or independence is declared against the will of the mother state. While unilateral secession, when a portion of a territory separates itself from an original state. In summary, international law does not regulate unilateral declaration of independence, but it has recognized the so-called remedial right theory as a possible valid reason for secession. Remedial right only theories assert that a group has a general right to secede if and only if it has uh, suffered certain injustices for which secession is the appropriate remedy of last resort. Internal self-determination According to the Supreme Court uh, of Canada, the right to self-determination must be exercised in the context or within the framework of the sovereign state and consistent with territorial integrity of those states. In other words, when you say right to self-determination, the group of people claiming to be different from the majority would be able to pursue political, economic, social, and cultural development without a need of being separated from the state. External self-determination It is external self-determination if it involves unilateral secession from the state. The threshold to involve such reflective of lex perenda norm on the matter. According to the Supreme Court of Canada, the international law right to self-determination only generates a, at best a right to external self-determination, which is actually secession in cases of 
former colonies where a people is oppressed or a people require, uh, requirement in international law is a identifiable group of people, example, under foreign military occupation, and where a definable, uh, definable group is denied meaningful access to government to pursue their political, economic, social, and cultural development. These situations are the basis of the remedial right. And others... Territorial entities other than states. States are not only territories entities that may possess rights and obligations under international law. Examples of such entities are Taiwan, Hong Kong, and the Holy See. Groups of individuals may also have legal personalities as collective entities. The indigenous groups have a right to full enjoyment as a collective or as individuals of all human rights and the fundamental freedoms and have the right to be free from any kind of discrimination. Then, insurgent groups and national liberation movements are also endowed with rights and obligation international law, most notably within the laws of armed conflict. Jurisdiction states Jurisdiction to prescribe laws to enforce and to adjudicate. Jurisdiction to prescribe laws The authority of a state to make its policy applicable to persons or activities regardless of boundaries, whether the act is committed outside, international law has not limited the scope of this, or of this jurisdiction. In relation to the Lotus case where the sovereignty of a state is never presumed while there is no uh, customary international law or conventional international law, prohibiting the exercise of such jurisdiction, then exercise of this jurisdiction is allowed. Article 14 of the Civil Code Penal Laws and those of public security and safety shall be obligatory upon all who live or sojourn in the Philippines territory subject to the principles of public international law and to treaty stipulations. In other words, our laws shall be made applicable to all persons who live and sojourn in the Philippines territory. Jurisdiction to Enforce Jurisdiction of the executive to implement certain process concerned with the authority of a state to use the resources of government <clears throat> to induce or compel compliance with its law, to include authority to arrest. Like implementing warrants of arrest abroad, it can be done with the permission of the state where the subject of the warrant may be found if it is without consent, that is another story. This may be problematic when down outside the borders of the state because it may be regarded as an act of intervention in the sovereignty of the other state when done without its consent. In this form of jurisdiction, there is a compulsion with the law of one state in the jurisdiction of the other. Mere physical presence of any manifestation of one state's forces in the other state's jurisdiction to effect any enforcement authority without its consent is considered as an intervention or intrusion. Even the position of the International Court of Justice may encounter problems with regard to enforcement because of sovereignty of states. That is why enforcement of international law would generally rely on cooperation between states. That is, that is why we have an international police interpol, for example, that may be requested to implement processes that have been allowed by other states. But if the other states would not this would amount to another form of rendition if we are to secure or obtain jurisdiction over the person of another and if we want to bring the person to the jurisdiction of the court, then it can be done in various ways. Hence, having jurisdiction is one and enforcement of the decision of the court is another. Jurisdiction to adjudicate the authority of the state to subject particular person or things to its uh, courts regardless of boundaries. Basis of Jurisdiction Territoriality Principle, Nationality Principle, and Statelessness 
protective principle, university principle, and passive personality principle. Territoriality principle. The state has jurisdiction over property, persons, acts, or events occurring within its territory. This deals with the connection of the crime and the territory. Generality principle refers to the reach of the application of our law, whereas territoriality speaks of whether jurisdiction is made applicable to a person, property, act, or event occurring in the territory. It has nothing to do with the reach. It is simply on the issue that since the act is in the territory of that state, then jurisdiction of that state can be invoked. A. Subjective territoriality principle. Where the crime was commenced, jurisdiction to prosecute or punish crimes commenced within their territory but completed or consummated in the territory of another state. B. Objective territoriality principle. Where the crime was consummated, certain states apply their territorial jurisdiction to offenses or acts commenced in another state but consummated or completed within their territory or product or producing gravely harmful consequences to the social or economic order inside their country. Second, nationality principle and statelessness. The link, of course, is jurisdiction and the nationality of the persons, either offender or victim. A. Active nationality. States may regulate the conduct of their nationals wherever they are in the world. This pertains to the nationality of the actor. The link is the nationality of the offender and the court. Passive nationality. A state may prescribe law for situations where its nationals are victims of the conduct being regulated. This has limited scope, usually applicable to ter terrorist attacks. This uh, pertains to the nationality of the victim. The link is the nationality of the victim and the court. In cases where two nationalities are in conflict with each other, the International Court of Justice subscribes to the real and effective nationality of the individual, among other factors to be considered are his habitual residence, family ties, participation in public life, and attachments shown by him to his country and inculcated in his children. Effective National Theory Nationality as a basis for exercising jurisdiction must be real and effective to give a right to a state who has conferred it. Right to diplomatic protection and protection by means of international judicial proceedings only arises when proper nationality link exists between the individual concerned and the state seeking to exercise such right. Third, protective principle. A state can legislate crimes that it considers to be threat to its security, integrity, or economic interests, regardless of the place of the commission of the crime. Passive nationality and protective principles have narrow applications. Fourth, universality principle. It is for violation of erga omnes norms and asserted in at least two situations. In absentia where a state asserts universal jurisdiction despite the fact that the alleged offender is not even present on its territory. This was applied by Belgium and the arrest warrant case. B. Out didere, out judicari, a more limited exercise tied to the obligation of a state in an increasing number of treaties to either prosecute or extradite an alleged offender or specific offenses who is located on the territory of the state. Passive Personality Principle A state can assert its jurisdiction over an offense committed abroad on the sole ground that the victim of the offense was a national of the state. Though historically controversial, it has attained increasing acceptance in recent years, particularly in the context of international terrorism. This was applied in the Eunice case where the U.S. prosecuted a Lebanese for hijacking a uh, Jordanian civilian airliner in Biru, even though the only connection to the U.S. was the presence among the passengers of American citizens. Exemptions from Jurisdiction, Act of State Doctrine, 
and international organizations and their officers. Act of State Doctrine The Act of State Doctrine, every sovereign state is bound to respect the independence of every other sovereign state and the courts of one country will not sit in judgment on the acts of the government of another than within its own territory. This is corollary to the principle of state immunity. A state cannot pass judgment on the validity of acts of another state. Every sovereign state is bound to respect the independence of every other sovereign state and the courts of one country will not sit in judgment on the acts of the government of another than within its uh, own territory. Underhill versus Hernandez, the act of state doctrine does not apply where nothing in the present suit requires a court to declare invalid the official act of apparent sovereign. The doctrine is not a rule of abstention which prohibits courts from deciding properly presented cases or controversies simply because the executive's conduct of parent relations may be adversely affected. It is a rule of decision which requires that in the process of deciding the acts of parent sovereigns taken within their own jurisdiction be deemed valid. International Organizations and Their Officers In the case of WHO versus Aquino, it is a recognized principle of international law and under our system of separation of powers that diplomatic immunity is essentially a political question and courts should refuse to look beyond a determination by the executive branch of the government and where the plea of diplomatic immunity is recognized and affirmed by the executive branch of the government as in the case at par, it is then the duty of the courts to accept the claim of immunity upon appropriate suggestion by the principal law officer of the government, the Solicitor General in this case or other officer acting under his direction. Under Article 6, Section 11 of the Convention of the Philippines and Immunities of the UN, the personal baggage of the representative of states to the principal and subsidiary organizations of the UN while exercising their functions and during their journey to and from the place of meeting or post shall enjoy immunity from seizure and shall be exempt from inspection. Diplomatic and Consular Law Right obligation or diplomatic intercourse, right of a state to send and receive diplomatic invoice. The head of the mission is considered as having uh, taken up his function in the receiving state either when he has presented his credentials or when he has notified his arrival and true copy of his credentials has been presented to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the receiving states or such other ministry as may be agreed in accordance with the practice prevailing in the receiving states which shall be applied in a uniform manner. Persona non grata the receiving state may at any time and without having to explain its decision notify the sending state that the head of the mission or any member of the diplomatic staff of the mission is persona non grata or that any other member of the staff of the mission is not acceptable. And in any such case, the sending state shall be or as appropriate either recall the person concerned or terminate his functions with the mission. The severance of diplomatic relations shall not ipso facto involve the severance of consul relations. Exequator The head of consular post is admitted to the exercise of his functions by an authorization from the receiving state term as exequator, whatever the form of this authorization. A state which refused to grant an exequator is not obliged to give the sending state reasons for such refusal. Right of consular notifications 
If you request the competent authorities of the receiving state shall without delay inform the consular post of the sending state if within its circular district or consular district a national of the state is arrested or committed to prison or to custody pending trial or is detained in any other manner. Any communication addressed to the consular post by the person arrested in person, custody or detention shall be forwarded by the state authorities without delay. The state authorities shall inform the person concerned without delay of his rights. Diplomatic inviolability. The person of a diplomatic agent shall be inviolable. He shall not be liable to any form of arrest or detention. Diplomatic immunity. A diplomatic agent shall enjoy uh, immunity from the criminal jurisdiction of the receiving state. He shall also enjoy immunity from its civil and administrative jurisdiction except in the case of a real action relating to private immobile property situated in the territory of the receiving state unless he holds it on behalf of the sending state for the purpose of the mission. An action relating to succession in which the diplomatic agent is involved as executor, administrator, heir or legati, as private person and not on behalf of the sending state. And an action relating to any professional or commercial activity exercised by the diplomatic agent in the receiving state outside his official functions. A diplomatic agent is not obliged to give evidence as witness. No measure of execution may be taken in respect of diplomatic agent except with respect to uh, A, that is real action, action relating to succession, and action relating to any professional or commercial activity. The personal baggage of a diplomatic agent shall be exempt from inspection unless there are serious grounds for presuming that it contains article not covered by the exemptions or articles uh, the import or export of which is prohibited by the law or controlled by the quarantine regulations of the receiving state. Such inspections shall be conducted only in the presence of the diplomatic agent or his authorized representative. Consular Immunity there is no criminal immunity for consular officers. However, they shall not be liable to arrest or detention pending trial except in the case of a grave crime and pursuant to a decision by the compelled judicial authority or competent judicial authority. Consular officers shall also enjoy immunity from civil jurisdiction except in respect of a civil action either arising out of a contract concluded by a consular officer or a consular employee in which he did not contract expressly or impliedly as an agent of the sending state or by a third party for damage arising from an accident in the receiving state caused by a vehicle, diesel, or aircraft. Nationality and Statelessness Nationality is the bond which unites a person to a given state which constitutes his member membership in the particular state which gives him a claim of protection of the state and which subjects him to the obligations created by the laws of that state. Nationality principle. It is for each state to establish its own standards for conferring nationality. Principle of continuous nationality. This applies to claims for diplomatic protection. It requires that from the time of the concurrence of the injury until the making of the award that claim must continuously and without interruption have belonged to a person or to a series of persons having the nationality of the state by whom it is put forward and not having the nationality of the state against whom it is put forward principle of national treatment. An alien cannot complain provided he receives the same treatment as nationals. Doctrine of effective nationality. 
Within a third state, a person having more than one nationality shall be treated as if he had only one. The third state shall recognize exclusively in its territory either the nationality of the country in which he is habitually and principally a resident of or the nationality of the country in which, in the circumstances, he appears to be in fact most closely connected. Genuine or Effective Link Requirement a state has no power to confer its nationality or inhabitants of another state or on foreigners entering its territory when such persons concerned are not attached to it by any particular bond such as origin, domicile, or birth. In the Notterborn case, Lichtenstein claimed restitution and compensation from the government of Guatemala on the ground that the latter had acted towards Friedrich Notterborn, a citizen of Lichtenstein, in a manner contrary to international law. The court held that Lichtenstein's claim was inadmissible on grounds relating to Mr. Nottenborn's nationality. On the international plane, the grant of nationality is entitled to recognition by other states only if it represents a genuine connection between the individual and the state granting its nationality. Mr. Nottenborn's nationality, however, was not based on any genuine prior link with Lichtenstein and the sole object of his naturalization was to enable him to acquire the status of natural or neutral national in time of war. For these reasons, Lichtenstein was not entitled to take up his case and put forward an international claim on his behalf against Guatemala. Generally, a state may not prohibit its national from changing their nationality. This is also provided under Article 15 of the UDHR. However, under the doctrine of indelible allegiance, a state may prohibit under certain circumstances. An example is under CA 63, wherein a Filipino may not divest himself of Philippine citizenship in any manner while the Republic is at war with any country. A stateless person is one who is not considered as a national by any state under the operation of its law. Statelessness may either be de jure or de facto. De jure, which is the status of individuals strip off of their nationality by their former government without having an opportunity to acquire another or, in case of de facto, which is the status of individual possess of a nationality whose country does not give them protection outside their own country and who are commonly, albeit, imprecisely referred to as refugees. Under the Convention on the Reduction of Statelessness, the following measures have been adopted to reduce statelessness. A. A contracting state shall grant its nationality who a person born in its territory who would otherwise be stateless and b. the same shall grant its nationality to a person not born in its territory who would otherwise be stateless if the nationality of one of his parents at the time of birth was that of the state. Article 31 of the Convention relating to the status of stateless person states that a stateless person shall not be lawfully expelled save on grounds of national security or public order. General Principles of Treaty Law Per Vienna Convention of uh, Laws of Treaties or BCLT, a treaty is an international agreement concluded between states in written form and governed by international law, whether embodied in a single instrument or in two or more related instruments, and whatever its particular designation elements are, an international agreement concluded between states in written form governed by international law. As established in the case of Qatar versus Bahrain, even agreements that are not in conformity with the definition of a treaty in the BCLT may actually be binding. 
These are two types treaties, lawmaking treaties and contract treaties. And lawmaking treaties are multilateral agreements that create legal obligations, the observance of which does not dissolve the treaty obligation. They create general norms for the future conduct of parties, while contract treaties are agreements for the mutual interchange of benefits between parties and which create reciprocal or concessionary obligations between and towards particular parties only and not towards the whole international community. The following are restrictions on the subject matter of treaties, Euskudgens and UN Charter. In Euskudgens restrictions, a treaty is void if the time of its conclusion it conflicts with the peremptory norm of general international law, while under UN Charter restrictions, in case of conflict between the obligations of members under the UN Charter and those under any other international agreements, obligations under the Charter shall prevail. Use Kudgens. A peremptory norm of general international law is a norm accepted and recognized by the international community of states as a whole or a norm which no derivation is permitted and which can be modified only by a subsequent norm of general in, uh, international law having the same character. The three groups of Use norms are the first, second, and the third group. Under the first group, it encompasses the maxims of international law which protect the foundations of law, peace, and humanity in the international order in which at present are considered by nation as the minimum standard for mutual relations, while second group covers the rules of peaceful cooperation in the sphere of international law which protects fundamental common interests. And the third group of uh, under Yuskujens uh, is regards the protection of humanity, especially the most essential human rights. Development of a treaty. How a treaty is formed. Proposal to draft a treaty, negotiation and drafting of the terms, adoption and authentication of the text of the treaty by the negotiating states, signature or expression of consent to be bound by the treaty by the individual states, ratification of the treaty by the individual states, exchange of instruments of ratification and entry into force of the treaty, and accession to the treaty by states wishing to join after its entry into force. If any, when the state is still a signatory, then the substantive content of the treaty will not yet govern the state's conduct. Example, except rules do not apply. When the state is a contracting state, then the state is duty-bound not to perform acts that will render it incapable to perform the object and purpose of the treaty. When the state is already a party, so the treaty has entered into force already, the provisions of the treaty will already enter into force in the relations. Full powers means a document emanating from the competent authority of a state, designating a person or persons to represent the state for negotiating, adapting, or authenticating the text of a treaty, for expressing the consent of the state to be bound by a treaty, or for accomplishing any other act with respect to a treaty. Exceptions, apparent authority and implied authority. Under apparent authority, Article 7, Paragraph 1b of Vienna Conventions of Law and Treaties, if it appears from the practice of the state concerned or from other circumstances that their intention was to consider that person as representing the state for such purposes and to dispense with full powers. Under implied authority, Article 7, 2 of Vienna Conventions of Law and Treaties, Head of State, Head of Government, and Ministers for Foreign Affairs for the purpose of performing all acts relating to the conclusion of a treaty. Head of Diplomatic Missions for the purpose of adapting the text of a treaty between the accrediting state 
and the state to which they are accredited and representatives accredited by states to an international conference or to international organization or one of its organs for the purpose of adapting the text of a treaty and that conference organization or organ. For these exceptions, full power is still needed to, in order to represent the state for all other stages other than adoption of the text of the treaty. In the case of Bayan versus Samura, Section 35 of Article 7 deals with treaties or international agreements in general, in which case the concurrence of at least two-thirds of all members of the Senate is required to make the subject treaty or international agreement valid and binding on the part of the Philippines. This provision lays down the general rule on treaties on or international agreements and applies to any form of treaty with a wide variety of subject matter, such as but not limited to extradition or tax treaties or those economic in nature. All treaties or international agreements entered into by the Philippines, regardless of subject matter coverage or particular designation or affiliation, requires the concurrence of the Senate to be valid and effective. In contrast, Section 25, Article uh, 18 is a special provision that applies to treaties which involve the presence of foreign military bases, troops, or facilities in the Philippines. Undoubtedly, Section 25 should apply in the instant case to a certain extent and in a limited sense. However, the provisions of Section 21, Article 7 will find applicability with regard to the issue and for the sole purpose of determining the number of votes required to obtain the valid concurrence of the Senate. Section 25, Article 18, uh, this allows foreign military bases, troops, or facilities in the country unless the following conditions are sufficiently meet to it. It must be under a treaty. The treaty must be duly concurred by the Senate and, when so required by Congress, ratified by a majority of the votes cast by the people in a national referendum and recognized as a treaty by the other contracting states. There is no dispute as to the presence of the first two requisites in the case of the VFA. As to the third element, the court is of the firm view that the phrase recognized as a treaty means that the other contracting party accepts or acknowledges the agreement as a treaty. To require the other contracting state, the U.S. in this case, to submit the VFA to the U.S. Senate for concurrence pursuant to its constitution is to accord strict meaning to the phrase. Moreover, it is inconsequential whether the U.S. treats the VAP only as an executive agreement because under in, uh, or under international law, an executive agreement is a binding as a treaty. To be sure, as long as the VAPA possesses the elements of an agreement under international law, the said agreement is to be taken equally as a treaty. In our jurisdiction, the power to ratify is vested in the president and not as commonly believed in the legislature, the role of the Senate is limited only to giving or withholding its consent or concurrence to the ratification. In another case, Pimental versus Executive Secretary, in our system of government, the President being the head of state is regarded as the sole organ and authority in external relations and is the country's sole representative with foreign nations. As the Chief Architect of Foreign Policy, the President acts as the country's mouthpiece with respect to international affairs. Hence, the President is vested with the authority to deal with foreign states and government on governments, extend or withhold recognition, maintain diplomatic relations, enter into treaties, and otherwise transact the business of foreign relations. In the realm of treaty making, the President has the sole authority to negotiate with other states. In filing this petition, the petitioners interpret Section 21 of Article 7 of the Constitution to mean that the power to ratify treaties belong to the Senate. 
We disagree. The usual steps in the treaty-making process are negotiation, signature, ratification, in exchange of the instruments of ratification. The treaty may then be submitted for registration and publication under the UN Charter, although this step is not essential to the validity of the government as between the parties. The signature is primarily intended as a means of authenticating the instruments, and as a symbol of the good faith of the parties, it is usually performed by the state's authorized representatives in the diplomatic mission. Ratification on the other hand is the formal act by which a state confirms and accepts the provisions of a treaty concluded by its representative. It is generally held to be an executive act undertaken by the head of the state or of the government. It should be emphasized that under our constitution, the power to ratify is vested in the president, subject to the concurrence of the Senate. The, so, the role of the Senate, however, is limited only to giving or withholding its consent or concurrence to the ratification. Hence, it is within the authority of the president to refuse to submit a treaty to the Senate or, having secured its consent for its ratification, refuse to ratify it. Although re the refusal of a state to ratify a treaty which has been signed in its behalf is a serious step that should not be taken lightly, such decision is within the competence of the President alone, which cannot be encroached by this court via a writ of mandamus. The consent of a state to be bound by a treaty is expressed by accession when the treaty provides that such consent may be expressed by the state by means of accession. It is otherwise established that the negotiating states were agreed that such consent may be expressed by the state by means of accession or all the parties have subsequently agreed that such consent may be expressed by the state by means of accession. Reservations a unilateral statement, however, praise or name made by a state when signing, ratifying, accepting, approving, or acceding to a treaty whereby its purports to exclude or to modify the legal effect of certain provisions of the treaty in their application to the state. A state may be willing to accept most of the provisions of a treaty, but it may be for various reasons object to other provisions of the treaty. The effect of a reservation depends on whether it is accepted or rejected by other states concerned. When is reservation not allowed? Article 19 of Vienna Conventions of Law of Treaties, a state may, when signing, ratifying, accepting, approving, or acceding to a treaty, formulate a reservation unless the reservation is prohibited by the treaty. The treaty provides that only specified reservations which do not include the reservation in question may be made. The reservation is incompatible with the object and purpose of the treaty. What is the best source of interpretation of the Vienna uh, Convention of Law of the Treaties? The Trabox Preparatoires was carried out by the International uh, or ILC, so its commentary is one of the best sources of interpretation of the BCLT. Ways by which a state party to treaty may no longer be bound by the treaty. Withdrawal or renunciation. In validity of treaty, this presupposes that the treaty is defective. Termination of treaty. Treaty is valid but may be terminated based on valid grounds. Grounds of invalidity of treaties. Provisions of municipal law regarding competence to conclude treaties, specific restrictions on authority to express the consent of states, error, fraud, corruption of a representative of a state, coercion of a representative of a state, coercion of a state by the threat or use of force, treaties conflicting with use cogent norm. Requisites for error to invalidate treaty. Error is about a fact or situation which was assumed to exist at the time of conclusion. That fact or situation forms an essential basis of the consent to be bound by the treaty. The state invoking the error must not have contributed to the error or the doctrine of clean hands, and the state had known of error 
uh, or have known of the error or do have known of the error. Grounds for termination, denunciation, <clears throat> withdrawal or suspension. Application of the treaty and or application of the Vienna Convention of Law of Treaties. Consent of all parties, example this, this way to the discharge through material breach, impossibility of performance, rebosic, stantibos or fundamental change of circumstances, emergence of new use cogents, outbreak of war. A material breach of a treaty consists in a repudiation of the treaty not sanctioned by the present convention or the violation of a provision essential to the accomplishment of the object or purpose of the treaty. Elements of fundamental change of circumstances or the ribosixtantibos. The change of circumstances must have been of a fundamental character when can change be considered fundamental. It should radically transform the extent of the obligation that will be performed. The party due to the change in circumstance would now be obliged to perform something which is different from that that was originally agreed upon. By radically transforming, it means that the change must have increased the burden of the obligation to be executed to the extent of rendering the performance of something essentially different. The change must have resulted in a radical transformation of the extent of the obligation still to be performed. The change must have increased the burden of the obligations to be executed to the extent of rendering the performance something essentially different from that originally undertaken. The circumstances that change must refer to those that determine the parties to accept the treaty. The change in circumstance must have been unforeseen by the parties and the existence of the circumstances at the time of the treaty's conclusion must have constituted an essential basis of the consent of the parties to be bound. Doctrine of State Responsibility There is an internationally wrongful act of a state when conducting consisting of an action or omission is attributable to the state under international law and constitute a breach of international obligation of the state. The nexus requirement to hold the state responsible to elements are required, internationally wrongful act, and it is attributed to the state. There must be a nexus or connection of that act and the non-compliance or a breach of an international obligation. Two theories of state responsibility, strict liability theory and fault liability theory. Under strict liability theory, objective or risk theory, liability attaches irrespective of bad or good faith, here, a mere violation of international law, whether it results to damage or not engages state responsibility, obligations of results, fault liability theory, subjective theory, liability attaches only upon a uh, proof of dolo or fault or negligence, obligation of conduct, how the act was done due diligence. Doctrine of imputability. A state is liable only for its own acts and omissions, and in this context, the state is identified with its government organs and apparatus, not with the population. What conducts are attributable to the state? Conduct of organs of the states, whether the organ exercises legislative, executive, judicial, or any other functions, whatever position it holds in the organization of the state, and whether its character as an organ of the central government or of a territorial unit of the state. Conduct of persons or entities exercising elements of governmental authority, provided the persons or entity is acting in that capacity in the particular instance. Conduct of organs placed at the disposal of a state by another state. If the organ is acting in the exercise of elements of the governmental authority of the state at whose disposal is, uh, it is placed, conduct directed or controlled by a state. 
if the person or group of person is in fact acting on the instruction of or under the direction or control of the state in carrying out this conduct. Conduct carried out in the absence or fault of official authorities. If the person or group of person is in fact exercising elements of the governmental authority in the absence or the fault of official authorities in a circumstances such as to call for the exercise of those elements of authority. The conduct of an insurrectional movement which becomes the new government of a state. The conduct of a movement insurrectional or other which succeeds in establishing a new state in part of the territory of a persisting state or in a territory under its administration. And conduct acknowledged and adopted by state as its own. The conduct of an organ of state or of a personal entity empowered to exercise elements of the governmental authority shall be considered an act of the state under international law if the organ, person, or entity acts in the capacity even if it exceeds its authority or contravene instructions. When is a state responsible for the wrongful act of another state? It aids or assists another state in the commission of an IWA, International Wrongful Act. It directs and controls another state in the commission of an IWA. It coerces another state to commit an IWA. The following requisites are present. The state does not wield knowledge of the circumstances of the IWA and the act would be internationally wrongful if committed by the state. Circumstances precluding wrongfulness, non-compliance with rules concerning nationality of claims, failure to local, uh, exhaust local remedies waiver by the state, unreasonable delay and improper behavior of injured alien, consent of injured state, lawful exercise of self-defense under UN Charter and conformity with the IHRL and uh, uh, International Human Rights Law, lawful countermeasure, force majeure, irresistible force, or an unforeseen event beyond the control of a state making the performance of obligation materially impossible, distress, and necessity. Calvo Doctrine, which says aliens in a parent state should not be given preferential treatment than the citizens of that parent state. Calvo Clause, says that a foreigner in the presence of the parent state usually for business will provide in a contract to waive its right to diplomatic protection. In effect, the foreigner should avail of local remedies before diplomatic protection. Elements of a valid countermeasure. Prior internationally wrongful act involving state had called upon the other to discontinue the wrongful act or make reparation and proportionately of the measure. Purpose of countermeasure. Compel breaching state to comply with the terms of the treaty. Treatment of aliens. Rendition. To deliver an individual from one state to another or surrender if applicable to persons. Three methods of rendition and international law. Its tradition, deportation, and abduction of paranationals abroad. Extradition. The removal of an accused from the Philippines with the object of placing him at the disposal of foreign authorities to enable them requesting state or government to hold him in connection with any criminal investigation directed against him or the execution of a penalty imposed on him under the penal or criminal law of the requesting state or government. Fundamental Principles The five postulates of extradition as espoused in Government of the USA versus Purgan. 1. Extradition is a major instrument for the suppression of crime. Secretary 
versus Lantion explained, the Philippines has national interest to help in suppressing crime and one way to do it is to facilitate the extradition of persons covered by treaties duly entered into by our government. Laws involving crimes and crime prevention are undergoing universalization. One manifest purpose of this trend towards a globalization is to deny easy refuse to a criminal without activities thereafter or threaten the peace and progress of civilized countries. It is to the great interest of the Philippines to be part of this irreversible movement in light of its vulnerability to crimes, especially transnational crimes. Second, the requesting state will accord due process to the accused. An extradition treaty presupposes that both parties thereto have examined and that both accepts and trusts its other's legal system and judicial process. Our duly authorized representative signature on an extradition treaty signifies our confidence in the capacity and the willingness of the other state to protect the basic rights of the person sought to be extradited. Third, the proceedings are sui generis. It is not criminal proceeding which will call into operation all the rights of the accused as granted by the Bill of Rights. To begin with, the process of extradition does not involve the determination of the guilt or innocence of an accused. His guilt or innocence will be adjudged in the court of the state where he will be extradited. Hence, as a rule, constitutional rights that are only relevant to determine the guilt or innocence of an accused cannot be invoked by an extraditee. Fourth, compliance shall be in good faith. We are bound by Pacta Sunt Servanda to comply in good faith with our obligations under the treaty. This principle requires that we deliver the accused to the requesting country if the conditions precedent to extradition as set forth in the treaty are satisfied. Accordingly, the Philippines must be ready and a position to deliver the accused should it be found proper. And five, there is an underlying risk of flight. Persons to be extradited are presumed to be flight risks. This prima facie presumption finds reinforcement in the experience of the executive branch. Nothing short of confinement can ensure that the accused will not flee the jurisdiction of the requested state in order to thwart their extradition to the requesting state. Additional Notes the obligation to extradite is treaty-based. No treaty, no obligation to extradite. But if voluntary extradition, or it, if voluntary extradition, then there is no problem. If there is no treaty, then no compulsion. Pacta sunt servanda applies. This means that if there is a treaty and all the conditions for the application to the extradition treaty are present, there is a person charged or convicted and the offense is extraditable, yet the other party refuses to extradite, then such state violates the principle of Pacta Sot Servanda. The refusal is not just invalid under international law, but can also constitute an internationally wrongful act or IWA. Dual Purposes Prosecution and Execution Could not cover political offenses. This uh, this is customary international law because there is the right to asylum which is also customary international law. Political offenses are closely linked with the exercise of the freedom of expression, example, freedom of political belief. Therefore, the International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights, for example, may be applicable in this situation. If one is granted asylum, an extradition treaty will not apply. An exception to the political offense exception is attempted clause, which provides that the assassination murder attempt on the life of the other willful crimes against the person of the head of state or head of government of either of the state or state parties or of a member of his family shall not be regarded as a political crime. 
rule of specialty must be followed in order to comply and to make sure that due process and fairness are observed even for criminals or accused individuals, there is a rule of specialty. Under this rule, the requesting state is not permitted to prosecute the extradited individual for offenses that are not covered by the request. Ex post facto law prohibition does not apply. Male captos benedentus. It is now a general principle of law. This means wrongfully captured, validly detained. Malicaptos benedetentos is justifiable for two reasons. A. Because fundamental individual rights such as the right to due process is still recognized. And B. Because if you question the jurisdiction of the court, you should question the jurisdiction on the basis of a judicial function involved. Care presby doctrine. The illegality of the arrest will not necessarily affect the jurisdiction of the court. Jurisdiction of the court is conferred upon the arrests. In the case of Government of Hong Kong SAR versus Munoz, for purposes or in-bank credible criminality rule, for purposes of the extradition of Munoz, the Hong Kong government as the requesting state must establish the following six elements, namely, one, there must be an extradition treaty in force between Hong Kong and the Philippines. Two, the criminal charges that are pending in the Hong Kong against the person to be extradited. The crime for which the person to be extradited is charged are extraditable within the terms of the treaty. The individual before the court is the same person charged in Hong Kong. The evidence submitted establishes probable cause to believe that a person to be extradited committed the offense charge and the offenses are criminal in both the Hong Kong and the Philippines. This is called a double criminality rule. Although the crime of conspiracy to defraud was included among the offenses covered by the RP Hong Kong Agreement and the RTC and the CE have agreed that the crime was analogous to the felony of Stapa through false pretense as defined and penalized under Article 315 Paragraph 2 of the Revised Penal Code, it was disputed whether or the crime is uh, or the crime of accepting an advantage as an agent was also punished as a crime in the Philippines. Under the double criminality rule, the extraditable offense must be criminal under the law of both the requesting and requested states. This simply means that the requested state comes under no obligation to surrender the person if it lost, do not regard the conduct covered by the con uh, request of the extradition as criminal because the offense of accepting an advantage as an agent charged against him in the Hong Kong is one that deals with private sector bribery. The condition for the application of the double criminality rule are obviously not met. Accordingly, the crime of accepting an advantage as an agent must be dropped from the request for extradition. Conformably with the principle of specialty, a state may not prosecute a person extradited from another country for an offense other than the one for which the extradition was granted embodied in Article 17 of the RP Hong Kong Agreement, Munoz should be proceeded against only for the seven counts of conspiracy to defraud. Procedure Extradition the requesting state expects under Pacta Sotsarbanda to receive the extradited individual. There may be a request. Condition It must be pursuant to a treaty. The person to be extradited had been charged or convicted of extraditable offense. In most cases, that result in indictment of cha or charge of an extraditable offense, not usually at investigation level, although there is no prohibition for states to enable themselves to extradite even at investigation level. And third, extraditable offense is either listed and or covered by double or dual criminal principles. 
distinguish extradition from deportation. Deportation, a unilateral act of the state because it is not dependent upon the request of a state not dependent on a treaty. The destination of the deportee is irrelevant because the act of the deportation is simply expelled from the territory of a particular state. And extradition means the surrender by force of a wanted person by the requested state to the requesting a state while deportation, the expulsion of an unwanted or undesirable alien. Extradition may only be made pursuant to a treaty while deportation, a pure unilateral act and exercise of sovereignty extradition for the benefit of the requesting state while deportation in the interest of the country of residence and is ordered without a request by a third state. Refugees a refugee is a person who, owing to well-founded fear of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership, or particular social group or political opinion, is outside the country of his nationality and is unable or, owing to such fear, is unwilling to avail himself of the protection of that country, or who, not having a nationality and being outside the country of his former habitual residence, as a result of such events, is unable or, owing to such fear, is unwilling to return to it. Grounds and Criteria of Persecution For the purposes of the Refugee Convention, a person is persecuted if life, freedom, or other substantial rights of the person are endangered or threatened by measure or a menacing situation which can be ascribed to a state or a state-like entity. Thus, persecution is a concept based on the possible or actual violation of substantial rights of the refugees. Cocio Judicatum Solvi is a security deposit payable by a foreign plaintiff for taking court action against a national of the state. The principle of non-refoulement prescribes broadly that no refugee should be returned to the any country where he or she is likely to face persecution, other ill-treatment, or torture. The core principle of non-refoulement is embedded in customary international law. Under Article 33 of the 1951 Convention on the Status of Refugees, no contracting state uh, shall expel or return or refouler a refugee in any manner whatsoever to the frontiers of territories where his life or freedom would be treated on account of his race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion. This, however, may not be claimed by a refugee. A. Whom there are reasonable grounds for regarding as a danger to the security of the country in which he is, or b. who having been convicted by a final judgment of a particularly serious crime constitute a danger of the community of that country. Un International Human Rights Law Universal Declaration of Human Rights The rights included in the declaration are the first and second generation human rights. 1. First generation rights, civil and political. Article 3 proclaims the right to life, liberty, and security of person, a right essential to the enjoyment of all other rights. This in turn introduces Article 4 to 21 in which other civil and political rights are set out. Second, second generation's right, economic, social, and cultural. Article 22 introduced Article 23 to 27 in which economic, social, and cultural rights, the rights to which everyone is entitled as a member of society, are set out. There are two UN human rights covenants that constitute legally binding treaties for the protection of this first and second generation human rights. International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights Some rights recognized in the ICCPR are subsequent to certain limitations. 
The exercise of the right to freedom of expression in Article 19 carries with a special duties and responsibilities. It may therefore be subject to certain restrictions, but these shall only be such as, as are provided by law are necessary for respect of the rights or reputation of others, for the protection of national security or of public order or of public health or morals. The same right is further limited by Article 1020 which prohibits any propaganda for war, any advocacy of national, racial, or religious hatred that constitute incitement to discrimination, hostility, or violence. Right of derogation under Article 4 in time of public emergency which threatens the life of the nation or the life of the nation and the existence of which is officially proclaimed, the states parties may take measures derogating from their obligation under the present covenant. The right of derogation is subject to the following requirements. It may only be exercised in time of public emergency which threatens the life of the nation. The existence of a public emergency is officially proclaimed. The measures taken by the state party and derogating shall only be to the extent strictly required by the exigencies of the situation. Such measures should not be inconsistent with the other obligation of the state party under international law. Such measures do not involve discrimination solely on the ground of race, color, sex, language, religion, or social origin. The derogating party should immediately notify other state parties through the UN Secretary General of the provisions of which it has derogated and the reasons by which it was actuated. The state party shall also inform on the date on which the term, uh, terminates such derogation and no derogation from Article 6, 7, 8, 11, 15, 16, and 18. The following rights, however, are non-derogable. The right to life, freedom from torture or to cruel, inhuman or degrading treatment or punishment and freedom from being subjected to medical or scientific experiment without uh, free consent, freedom from slavery and servitude, freedom from imprisonment for inability to fulfill a contractual obligation, right against ex post facto laws, right to recognition everywhere as a person before the law and freedom of thought, conscience and religion. International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights Principle of Progressive Realization recognizes that the full realization of some rights under the covenant may be difficult to achieve in a short period of time. Thus, Article 2 allow its state party to take steps individually and through international assistance and cooperation, especially economic and technical, to the maximum of its available resources with a view to achieving progressively the full realization of the rights recognized in the present covenant by all appropriate means, including particularly the adoption of legislative measures. This principle, however, is not applicable to the ICCPR. Fundamental Human Rights Right Against Genocide Genocide includes any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in all or in part a national, ethical, racial, or religious group such as killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in all or in part, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. Under P.S. Law, RA 9851 has added social or any other similar stable and permanent group to the list of protected groups. Genocide is a crime under international law and is not considered a political crime for purposes of extradition. The international norm for the prevention, prosecution, and punishment of genocide is used cogens and is therefore non-derogable. Right against torture 
Torture is any act which severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, is intentionally inflicted on a person for such purpose as obtaining from him or third person information or a confession, punishing him for an act he or a third person has committed or is suspected of having committed, or intimidating or coercing him or a third person or for any reason based on discrimination of any kind. When such pain or suffering is inflicted by or at the instigation of or with the consent or acquiescence of a public official or other person acting in uh, official capacity, freedom from torture is right which is non-derogable both during peacetime and in situation of armed conflict. No exceptional circumstances whatsoever, whether a state of war or a threat of war, internal political instability or any other public emergency may invoke as a justification of torture. The prohibition of torture has evolved into jus cogens or peremptory norm. Right against slavery and forced labor. Slavery is the status or condition of a person over whom any or all of the powers attaching to the right of ownership are exercised. Forced labor shall mean all work or service which is exacted from any person under the menace of any penalty and for which the said persons has not offered uh, himself voluntarily. It shall not include compulsory military service, normal civic obligation of citizen, any work or services by reason of conviction in a court of law, any work or service exacted in case of emergency like war or calamity, and minor communal service. Right against discrimination. <clears throat> right apart... Uh, Racial discrimination is any distinction, exclusion, restriction, or preference based on race, color, descent, or national or ethnic origin, which has the purpose or effect of nullifying or impairing the recognition, enjoyment, or exercise on an equal footing of human rights and fundamental freedoms in the political, economic, social, cultural, or any other field of public life. Apartheid means in human acts committed in the context of an institutionalized regime by systematic oppression and domination by one racial group or groups and committed with the intention of maintaining that regime. Distinction made by a state party between its citizens and non-citizens is non-violative of the convention. Right of statelet stateless uh, person, right of refugees, right of indigenous people and minorities peoples. Rights of migrant workers, rights of women, rights of the child, international humanitarian law. ISL is set of rules which seek for humanitarian reasons to limit the effects of armed conflict. It protects persons who are not or are no longer participating in the hostilities and restricts the means and methods of warfare. International humanitarian law does not concern the legality of the war or the jurisdiction for the commencement of hostilities. International humanitarian law deals with use in value or justice in war, not with use ad billium or justice of war. A person or the combat is anyone who is in the power of an adverse party, anyone who is defenseless because of unconsciousness, shipwreck, wounds, or sickness, or anyone who clearly expresses an intention to surrender provided he or she abstains from any hostile act and does not attempt to escape. Martin's Clause implements rules of humanitarian law applicable in armed conflict that are so fundamental to the respect of the human person and elementary consideration of humanity that must be observed by all states, whether or not they have ratified the convention that contains them because they constitute intransgressible principles of international customary law. This is embodied in Article 1, Paragraph 2 of Additional Protocol 1 of 1977.
In cases not covered by this protocol or by other international agreements, civilians and combatants remain under the protection and authority of the principles of international law derived from established custom, from the principles of humanity, and from the dictates of public conscience. Categories of armed conflicts. An armed conflict exists whenever there is a resort to armed force between states or protracted armed violence between governmental authorities and organized armed groups or between such groups within a state. International armed conflicts are those in which at least two states are involved. The Common Article 2 of the Geneva Convention defines an international armed conflict as all cases of declared war or of any other armed conflict which may arise between two or more of the high contracting parties even if the state of war is not recognized by one of them. And second, all cases of partial or total occupation of the territory of a high contracting party even if the said occupation meets no armed resistance. These are governed by the Geneva Convention and additional protocol 1 internal or non-internal armed conflict are those restricted to the territory of a single state involving either regular armed forces fighting groups or armed dissidents or armed groups fighting each other they are governed by the common article 3 of the four geneva conventions and the additional protocol 2 international armed conflict Prosecutor Bristol Stalik explained that an international armed conflict may become international if another state intervenes in that conflicting through its troops or if some of the participants in the internal, uh, internal armed conflict act on behalf of the other state. The test for determining the existence of internal armed conflict is whether there is a resort to armed forces between states or protracted armed violence between governmental authorities and organized armed groups or between such groups within a state. Two criteria must be assessed, the intensity of the conflict and the organization of the parties. These criteria are used to distinguish an armed conflict from banditry, an organized insurrection or terrorist activities which are not subject to international humanitarian law. War of National Liberation an armed conflict in which peoples are fighting against colonial domination and alien occupation and against racist regimes in the exercise of their rights of self-determination as enshrined in the Charter of the United Nations and the Declaration of Principles of International Law concerning friendly relations and cooperation among states in accordance with the Charter of the UN. It must also be treated as a conflict of an international character. Core International Obligation of States the seven fundamental rules that form parts of the Geneva Conventions are persons or the combat and those who do not take direct part of the host in hostilities are entitled to respect for their lives and their moral and physical integrity. Two, it is forbidden to kill or injure an enemy who surrenders who is forced the combat. Three, the wounded and sick shall be collected and cared for by the party to the conflict which has been in its power. Three, captured combatants and civilians under the authority of an adverse party are entitled to respect for their lives, dignity, personal rights, and convictions. Five, everyone should be entitled to benefit from fundamental judicial guarantees. Six, parties to conflict and members of their armed forces do not have an unlimited choice of methods and means of warfare. Seven, Parties to a conflict shall at all times distinguish between the civilian population and combatants. Attacks shall be directed solely against military objectives. Principles of International Humanitarian Law 
treatment of civilians. A civilian is any person who does not belong to an armed forces who is not a combatant. In case of doubt, a person shall be treated as a civilian. The civilian population comprises all persons who are civilians. The presence within the civilian population of individuals who do not come within the definition of civilians does not deprive the population of its civilian character. The civilian population and individual civilians shall enjoy general protection against dangers arising from military operations to give effect to this protection. The following rules which are additional to other application rules of international law shall be observed in all circumstances. The civilian population assess as well as individual civilians shall not be the object of attack, acts, or threats of violence. The primary purpose of which is to spread terror among the civilian population are prohibited. Attacks against the civilian population or uh, civilians by way of reprisals are prohibited. Mercenary a mercenary shall not have the right to be a combatant or a prisoner of war. A mercenary is any person who is specially recruited locally or abroad in order to fight in an armed conflict. Thus, in fact, take a direct part in the hostilities, is motivated to take part in the hostilities essentially by the desire for private gain and in fact is promised by or on behalf of a party to the conflict material compensation substantially in excess of that promise or paid to combatants or similar ranks and functions in the armed forces of that party is neither a national of a party to the conflict or a resident of territory controlled by a party to the conflict, is not a member of the armed forces of a party to the conflict and has been sent by state which is not a party to the conflict, an official duty as a member of its armed forces. Civilian objects shall not be the object of attack or of reprisal. Civilian objects are all objects which are not military objectives. Military objectives, on the other hand, are limited to those objects which, by their nature, location, purpose, or use, make an effective contribution to military action and was total or partial destructions, capture, or neutralization in the circumstances ruling at the time offers a definite military advantage. Prisoners of War Prisoners of war are lawful combatants who have pulled into the power of the enemy, members of other militias and members of other volunteer corps, including those of organized resistance movements belonging to a party to the conflict and operating in or outside their own territory, even if this territory is occupied provided that such militias or volunteer corps, including such organized resistance movement, fulfill the following conditions that of being commanded by a person responsible for his subordinates, that of having a fixed distinctive sign recognized at a distance, that of carrying arms openly, that of conducting their operations in accordance with the laws and customs of war. Persons who accompany the armed forces without actually being members thereof, such as civilian members of military aircraft crews who are correspondent supply contractors, members of labor units or of services responsible to, well to welfare of the armed forces, provided that they have received authorization shall also be entitled to prisoner of war status when they fall in enemy, uh, enemy hands. Any member of all armed forces who engages in espionage shall not have the right to the status of prisoner of war and may be treated as a spy unless that member is in uniform while gathering or attempting to gather information. The basic protections afforded to prisoners of war are they may only be transferred by the detaining power to a power which is also a party to the Geneva Convention uh, 3. They must be uh, they must at all times be humanly treated. They must also times be protected, particularly against acts of violence or intimidation and against insults and public 
curiosity. They shall be provided free of charge for their maintenance and for the medical attention required by their state of health. They shall be treated alike by the detaining power without any adverse distinction based on race, nationality, religious belief, or political opinions. Women shall be treated with all regard due to their sex and shall in all cases benefit by treatment as favorable as the uh, granted to men. Women shall be held in quarters separated from the men's and shall be under the immediate supervision of women. Law on Neutrality Neutrality is the legal position of a state which remains aloof from a war between two other states or group of states while maintaining certain rights towards the belligerents and observing certain duties prescribed by customary law or by international conventions or treaties. A neutralized state has the following characteristics. Its neutrality is permanent, is guaranteed by a treaty, and obliged to maintain its status of neutrality. A neutral cannot avail himself of his neutrality. If he commits hostile acts against a belligerent and if he commits acts in favor of a belligerent particularly if the voluntary enlist in the ranks of the armed forces of one of the parties, goods of neutral pound on board anonymous vessels are not liable to seizure as price of war except if they constitute contraband of war. Contraband of war refers to any item or goods that are of military character or which may give military advantage that a belligerent may law policies or confiscate from neutrals who are attempting to supply them to its enemy. Doctrine of continuous bias and ultimate destination. Absolute contraband is liable to capture if it is shown to be destined to territory belonging to or occupied by the enemy or to the armed forces of the enemy. It is immaterial whether the carriers of these goods is direct or entails transshipment or a subsequent transport by land. Right of Hungary Neutral vessels in a port of a belligerent state may be seized and made to transport troops and supply, uh, supplies. It extends to the requisitioning of vessels or other properties such as railroad material upon payment of compensation. Archipelagic waters. The waters enclosed by the archipelagic basins shall become archipelagic waters regardless of their depth or distance from the coast, and within these archipelagic waters, the archipelagic state may draw closing lines for the delimitation of its internal waters. Ships of all states enjoy the right of innocent passage through archipelagic waters. This right is not available inside the closing lines for the limit delimitation of eternal waters. Innocent passage means navigation through the territorial sea for the purpose of traversing that sea without entering internal waters or calling out at a roadstead or port facility outside internal waters or proceeding to or from internal waters or a call at such roadsides or port facility. So long as it is not prejudicial to the peace and good order of security of the coastal state, passage of a parent ship shall be considered to be prejudicial to the peace and good uh, peace, good order or security of the coastal state if in the territorial sea it engages, engages in any of the following activities. A. Any threat or use of force against the sovereignty, territorial integrity, or political independence of the coastal state, or in any other manner, in violation of the principles of international law embodied in the Charter of the United Nations. B. Any exercise of practice with weapons of uh, any kind. 
any act aimed at collecting information to the prejudice of the defense or security of the coastal state, any act of propaganda aimed at affecting the defense or security of the coastal state, the launching, landing, or taking on board of any aircraft, the launching, landing, or taking on board of any military device, the loading or unloading of any commodity, currency, or person contrary to the custom, fiscal, immigration, or sanitary laws and regulation of the coastal state, any act of willful and serious pollution contrary to this convention, any activities, the carrying out of research or survey activities, any act aimed at interfering with any systems of communication or any other facilities or installations of the coastal state, any other activity not having a direct bearing on passage. The archipelagic state may, without discrimination in form or in pack among foreign ships, suspend the innocent passage of foreign ships temporarily in specified areas of its archipelagic waters if such suspension is essential for the protection of its security and such suspension shall take effect only after being been duly published. Archipelagic Sea Lanes Passage Archipelagic salience passage means the exercise in accordance with this convention of the rights of navigation and overflight in the normal mode solely for the purpose of continuous, expeditious, and unobstructed, uh, unobstructed transit between one part of the high seas or an exclusive economic zone and another part of the high seas or an exclusive economic zone. An archipelagic state may designate sea lanes and air routes there above, suitable for the continuous and expeditious passage of foreign ships and aircraft through or over its archipelagic waters and the adjacent territorial sea. All ships and aircraft enjoy the right of archipelagic sea lanes, passage in such sea lanes and air routes. International Environmental Law Principle 21 of Stockholm Declaration Principle of Good Neighborliness states have in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations and the principles of international law the sovereign right to exploit their own resources, pursuant to their own environmental policies and the responsibility to ensure that activities within their jurisdiction or control do not cause damage to the environment of other states or of areas beyond the limits of national jurisdiction. The no-harm rule is a widely recognized principle of customary international law whereby a state is duty-bound to prevent, reduce, and control the risk of environmental harm to other states. The Trail Smelter case established two fundamental principles of liability for transboundary pollution under international law. A. A state must show material damage and causation to be entitled to legal relief and b. A state has a duty to prevent and may be held responsible for pollution by private parties within its jurisdiction if such pollution results in demonstrable injury to another state. Precautionary principle. The precautionary principle requires that if there is strong suspicion that a certain activity may have environmentally harmful consequence, it is better to control that activity now rather than to wait for incontrovertible scientific evidence. This principle is expressed in the Rio Declaration which stipulates that where there are threats of serious or irreversible damage, lack of full scientific certainty shall not be used as a reason for postponing cost-effective measures to prevent environmental degradation.